0: Hi, this is a podcast for the best bits of Breakfasters for the week ending uh, February 14, Valentine's Day, in fact. Breakfasters is a Monday to Friday breakfast show broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia. Coming up on this podcast, you'll hear uh, our conversation with Tony Lee. We talked about the ethical shifts in fashions and the fashion industry. We also had a bit of a chat, about bra Speaking of fashion. Yes, yeah, speaking of fashion, about bra shopping. And shoes. Uh, the perils of bra shopping and, I, and buying a hat. Yep. Getting measured for things, really. Yep. And Michael Harden popped in for Food Interlude to talk about uh, how to think about eating more sustainably. It's very interesting.
1: It was a great conversation. Uh, Also, we had Mark Dooley in. He's a filmmaker. Um, He's made a documentary called Repeat Attenders, which has a look at musical theatre superfans. Pretty amazing. Uh, And also we had our final Chubfish Labor Watch. Daniel Burt is not here right now because he's been a supportive and confident and calm birthing birthing partner. partner um also great to have um Eliza Schlesinger back in uh, in the studio to have a chat to her she's a big um american comedian here on tour uh and also we're very excited to announce uh our the release of our compilation album breakfast is live yeah, volume, volume one.
0: 1 it's got over 40 artists on it uh, compiles two years of BreakFast's live performances. It's on Bandcamp right now. You can stream it for free, but you can also purchase it. And if you do purchase it, that money goes to um, a couple of organisations supporting the fire relief. Triple R.
2: Part of the National Sustainable Living Festival, the event Undressing the Fashion Industry is a day of ideas, demonstrations and sessions set to look at the ethics of what we wear and sharing his insights on a panel discussion on the day is Tony Lee, lecturer in fashion branding at RMIT and he joins us now. Tony, welcome to Breakfasters.
3: Good morning. Thanks very much for having me.
2: Our pleasure. Now, uh, sustainability was a bit of a theme at the Oscars. Did you happen to clock any observations i i see that caitlin diva had a louis vuitton gown uh that was sustainably and ethically made is this catching on
3: i i 100 think so i think that in the age of live streaming and uh um influences uh it's i think it's very important for celebrities to be able to um signal i guess some of the values that they really care about Mm. um uh i also noted that um one of the actresses wore a gown that had sewn in
1: uh, all the all the female, female, female director's female director names which yeah. i thought
3: was really fantastic mm.
1: yeah. yeah a bit of
0: fashion <laughs> we know we talk about fast fashion and i think increasingly we understand that fast fashion is bad for the environment. Mm. Uh, but for those that maybe don't know, could you talk a little bit about kind of the ongoing impacts of the fashion industry as it stands at the moment? Mm-hmm.
3: Well, fast fashion uh, originated as a, a term in the in the early 80s uh, when quick response type manufacturing started to come into play. Uh, and uh, it quickly became synonymous with uh, a two-week kind of cycle between runway to stores. But over time, it's increasingly been known for how fashion has gone from wardrobes to bins, quite pretty quickly after that as well. And I think it's in this um, this this era that we live in when it's about being always on, but always fresh as mm. well. You're constantly doing it for the gram, so to speak. <laughs> um, it's 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 just. Part of sort of the uh, societal sort of um, expectations uh, to sort of constantly be seen in the latest fashion, or not being seen in the same outfit twice in a row, which is kind of ridiculous mm-hmm. in the scheme of things. But um, it, it, in terms of impact, um, the the fashion industry is estimated to be to represent something like ten percent of all global emissions and. Oh. Twenty percent of all water waste uh, globally. Also, that's uh, the about the equivalent of shipping and aviation combined. So it's probably wow. the second or third largest polluter in the world. Um, and it's estimated something like eighty-five percent or twenty-one billion tons of textile goes to uh, to landfill every year as well. So it's quite a significant contributor to um, to uh, the, the 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 environmental impact.
2: Mm. And what sort of practices have you seen change?
3: Uh, there's a lot more uh, ever since uh, that um, that fateful day in uh, in 2013 when the Rana Plaza uh, collapsed in Bangladesh. Um, there's been a lot of uh, effort from a lot of large organisations to show their um, uh, their, their sourcing, the ethical sourcing. Look at their uh, um, provide a transparency uh, in terms of their uh, uh, supply chain. Uh, so we've noticed a lot of that kind of activity happening. So transparency has become really, really popular um, as. Uh, more beyond uh, the corporate social responsibility uh, kind of mechanisms. But uh, we're also sort of seeing a lot more organisations invest in circularity, what's known as circularity, this sort of notion that items can can be returned and upcycled or recycled in some instances. So they're working on technology at the moment that uh, makes clothing um, as easily to recycle as paper and mm. cardboard. So there's significant advances in terms of technology.
0: I've noticed a lot of my friends this year at the start of this year said they're going to commit to not buying new clothes. Yes, This kind of seems to be a, a big push. Is is Well, I'm kind of interested in this, where this has come from, and yeah. also if it's enough for us simply to drop our clothes off to, to say, Vinnies and then to go to a shop where we buy second-hand clothes, or is it also about the rate at which we're consuming Mm. Uh which one's more important?
3: Mm. So we talk about we talk about fast fashion. The opposite of fast fashion is slow fashion, and there's a few tenets that are involved in terms of slow fashion. One of those tenets is to buy vintage when you can, but also to buy to think about buying clothes that last longer. Uh, so being more selective about the clothing you wear, um, being very aware of uh, ethically sourcing and sustainability and eco sourcing. Uh, in addition, also thinking about buying uh, more locally so uh brands that uh have a sustainable uh, ethos but also those that create smaller collections uh so it's not about mass production it's about sort of more particular kind of collections so there's certainly that kind of um vibe that's going on in addition to the fact that a lot more people are buying vintage these days and i do think it's it's evident because of what's happening with our climate crises so our climate emergency uh that people are really um homing in on, on these types of ideas
1: is there a difference um, or is there anything happening in terms of children's clothing? Because I'm sure there are parents out there oh, so that true. would love to only buy clothes from St. Vinnie's or whatever, but at the same time their kids are constantly growing. they are constantly got to buy mm. new clothes and it's easy to go and buy a $5 T-shirt. So is there anything that kind of, I guess, that the fashion industry itself or the manufacturers are doing to, you know, combat that kind of stuff?
4: Mm.
3: Um You'd be amazed. I used to work with um, the likes of Vinnies, and I used to sort of see what comes into uh, to their warehouses. Um, there's lots of trash with a lot of treasure. Mm. Uh, but children's clothing is certainly one of the highest donated sort of um, item um, ranges. So there's plenty of options available for, for children's clothing specifically. Uh, but increasingly, more and more our, uh, um, groups are, are doing things like clothing swaps and allowing clothing swaps to happen. So those things are happening both uh, from a physical perspective as well Mm. as an online perspective. So there's a lot more clothing swaps sort of happening, which is really sort of great to see as well.
2: And what about clothes made of uh, recycled plastic? How are they going?
3: Is that it comfortable? <laughs> <laughs> it's um, look. It's a viable alternative. It's better than, I guess, going straight to uh, to landfill. But uh, in the overall scheme of things, I mean, sometimes these plastics take 500 years to break down. Yeah. Um, and if you th- if you if we there's estimates in terms of the type of um, textiles that are going to landfill, 60 percent of that um, has plastic in it, mm-hmm. um, and they slowly disintegrate to microplastics. So it is an increasing problem, and I think um, it's you know it's within all of us to sort of really think about type, the types of clothing we're wearing yeah. and thinking about how um, biodegradable those clothes are when we're done with them.
0: Sometimes sustainable fashion can be a bit elitist in that not everyone can afford to go and spend $380 on a pair of pants because mm. they're made in Melbourne – uh, sustainably, which is really great, but mm. it can be exclusive. Mm. Are there kind of responses to this? Are there ways that uh, sustainable fashion is becoming more affordable and more accessible?
3: Mm. It's a it's a great conundrum because with uh, with mass production comes cheaper prices, yeah. and when we're talking about locally produced, we're talking about smaller capsule collections. We're talking about people who are very sort of focused on. Putting uh, their uh, integrity before their profits, um, there's a there's a trade-off there, um, and that comes at a price. Um, but I think that if the clothing is good and it's there from an ethical perspective, then that's something to to worth investing in, um, if it if it means durability in the long term as well.
2: And so, undressing the fashion industry, well, this event, uh, what are you looking forward to? Partaking in or observing yourself.
3: Oh, look! There's there's some really amazing uh, um, activations happening on the day. Uh, there's a. Uh An upcycled uh, DIY fashion show. So the idea is that there's uh, going to be a delivery of um, uh, clothes destined for landfill uh, that will be available for people to upcycle and create their own clothes and their own looks. Uh, And there will be a fashion show running on the day. Um, That happened last year doing um, uh, the uh, VMFF last Mm -hmm. year. Uh, It was very, very fun. There will be market stalls there um, from the likes of – Psychedelic gender neutral wear from Goo Life, and then we've got um, uh, uh, Remuse who uh, offer uh, low impact dyes, vegan based uh, materials, and uh, um, and Mycelium Made, which uh, creates handmade casual loungewear from uh, mushrooms. Yeah. So really I like
4: that cool. on so many levels yeah. <laughs> yeah And
3: there's like There's workshops throughout the day So it's going to be uh, Heaps of fun There's also going to be A clothes swap opportunity So people can bring um, Some garments And some accessories And uh, they get tokens And they swap those For other garments And accessories That other people Ooh. buy So it's going to be A pretty um, great event Lots of things To sort of look at And really It's just about education And just opening people's minds up into About the possibilities that, Yeah
2: um, Also the Zero Waste Cocktail Masterclass
3: Oh yes yeah. <laughs> You forget that That's very much <laughs>
2: Uh, there's so much more to talk about, but th- it's a full day and it's a free event, but uh, you uh, you need to book. Bookings are essential. Undressing the fashion industry is part of Sustainable Living Festival at White Hart Bar, Whiteheart Lane, Melbourne, from midday to 7 p.m. on Sunday the 23rd of February. You can go to sl.org.au uh, for more details. And we've been speaking with lecturer in fashion and branding at RMIT, Tony Lee. Thanks Thank- so much, Tony. Thanks so much yeah. for having
3: me.
4: Triple
1: ah. uh, My sister was in is in town. We hung out yesterday. That's oh, nice. sister? my sister, Pauline, who lives in 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 Aubrey. Yeah, and occasionally she'll come down to will Get a couple of days off.
2: Do you mix it up or do you have a go to when you oh. hang out?
1: Oh no, mix it up. Yeah. You know, she'll just she'll just you know. She texted me during the show yesterday, just going. I'm here. What do you do? Do you want to? Eat? I'm like, yeah, I'm free. Let's go. Um, and it's always a, it's a go to. Let's meet in the city. I'm like, you know, family members from that don't live in Melbourne often go. Let's meet in the city. It's mm. like, like it's convenient, but yeah. it's like no, just come to my place. Or anyway, but yeah. f- still, it was like happy, happy to go to the city. Because um,
2: oh, so, if you map to Melbourne, if you map directions to Melbourne, it always is calculated from the, uh, from the uh, CBD. Well, fr- from the lo- from the post office, mm. from the GPO. Ah,
0: oh, is it?
2: Everything is calculated from there, and, it's, and not- it's the no one rat. place where you cannot park. Well, yeah. Why is
1: that? Well, uh, that's no. just the way it is. And if <laughs> there's no post office huh. in a in a town, then it's calculated to the pub.
2: Well, no, not Notre Dame is the center of Paris, huh. but but yeah, like it, th- these rules happen. But I just find it because if you if you're on a road trip and you're coming to Melbourne, you land at your destination, then you get. You can't stand still because you get booked. Anyway.
1: there you go. Ah, there you go. Uh, so I met, uh, we just went and had um, breakfast in, in the city, found a cafe and stuff. And then we were kind of just walking around and chatting. And uh, I walked past my, and I went, do you know what? I've been putting this off for such a long time. And I said, I need to, I need to get a, a new bra. I've got to go bra shopping. And I tell you what, bra shopping is up there with sweet, with bathers. It's uh, one of the most traumatic things you have to buy.
0: I honestly don't think
1: Daniel, I'm... do you relate at all? No. Sorry.
2: Oh, I mean I've 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 heard a lot about having, you know, <laughs> three older <laughs> sisters yeah, and yeah, five yeah. aunties. Yeah, it's and I've I've spent you've a lot of time the in trauma. bra shops. You okay, know. You've don't seen say
0: that too often. <laughs> no, I, <know. laughs> I oh I don't think I've bought my own bra for you. Honestly, the, the way I get around this is for every Christmas and birthday to say, "Could you just please buy me some bras to so my sisters?"
1: But how do so they I want they know to do what it? size? How do you know what well, I've size? Just been the same you are.
0: So I just tell. I just this is a problem. It's probably not right, but but I yeah. just say I'm the. I just say the one thing, the one size. I don't care. It's close it enough. Fit not close enough is good yeah. enough. That's how much I dislike this process. Because
1: oh, <laughs> yeah, it's the most. Hor- it's just because mine change all the time, and so uh, you know. I oh anyway I went in and had a I was trying to f- figure it out on my own and then the woman working there I looked at me and went I think you've been here for about thirty years because I think you fitted me about twenty years ago but I was like oh I should seize this opportunity she goes can I help you you know let me help what let me find this size and anyway I came and she I ended up getting a bra that you know actually fits and I was like okay I've got that one I'd like to get a sports bra. I'll get a sports bra, like community cup training is going to start soon. I want to, I want to be supported in all aspects. And so trying to find a sport, and we had, we gave up. Like she was just like, just wear the other one. Because oh. I couldn't find one the right size and people would go, Jordan, why don't you play more – why don't you do more cardio? Because I can't. It hurts. I don't. I can't find a bra that fits me. Oh. And it was just – I was just like, what do I – and I just went in there going, I want this, this to be the last time I ever have to buy a bra. It's most—it's ho- horrible anyway, whatever the – <laughs>
2: Do you feel bad going into a retail situation and the person helping knows that you, you're dreading it, you don't want to be there, you –
1: I'm I'm really at the time I'm very open. Yeah. I'm very like yep, I'm here, you anything that you can do to support me through this, yeah. then I'm I'm up for it. And you know cuz she goes can I come in I'm like yes. And She goes what about this and I'm like yes, any anything that you've got to offer me yeah. to to help out in this. I'm yes, I'm it's here. A,
0: it's a uncomfortable. The last time I actually went shopping for one, I was trying them on, and then I came out and said to the lady who was helping me, I said, oh, look, I think this is, I I don't know what I'm doing. Could you measure me? Mm. And she said, we don't do that anymore. And with such a look of kind (gasps) of what world are you from? And then, yes, we don't do that anymore. And I went, ah and I don't know if she just meant this shop that I was in or whether that's just not a – is that like a a oldie thing? Is it's that like kinda, having your foot measured when you buy shoes? No one measures your foot anymore.
1: I think, I think it's still a thing because there, there was a tape measure. The woman that was helping – she didn't measure me, but there was a tape measure there. I think she didn't measure me <laughs> because we could figure out like, – because I was so close. It was just like one size, you know, right. a cup size up or, all, you know, the other size down and stuff like that. That's when was it. the
0: last time someone brought out one of those foot measure things? You know, when you are a kid. Oh know? yeah, you put. Your... I loved that thing. Yeah, I've never, I haven't seen. I, th- I thought maybe measuring's gone out of style.
1: Oh maybe. No, I've seen them around. Maybe it's just for. I don't know. Once oh, you know your size, you I know had your... my
0: head measured during the holiday to buy a hat. Did you? Yeah. Oh. I I, um, I
1: went.
0: You know what? I, I went to. Speaking of weird circumstances. So I lost my hat, my favourite hat in the world. That is, uh, no one knows where it's gone. Thought of taking it to Italy. There's no photos of me with it on in Italy. No <laughs> Maybe one you knows lost where it, it on the
1: plane to Italy. I might,
0: I might have taken I've I've texted friends and said, and we've gone through a series of photos going, where's my where hat? Where was the
2: last time you wore yeah. it? Wow. CSI Milliners. It, <laughs> it truly
0: is. Um, but anyway, it's gone. So that's sad. But then I was decided that I wanted to buy a new hat and... My partner said, "Why don't you go to the Hatters at Under Flinders Street Station?" Mm. And have you ever been in there? No, yeah, I've never had from there. Oh my god! Mm. So it's like it's like going into Harry Potter world. I, I thought no one goes into that shop. It's just there for because it looks cool having it next to Flinders Street Station. But you go down these tiny little weeny steps, which I think were designed when people had little weeny feet, and you go into this
1: kind or of ca- had a tight space to feel.
0: Or had a tight space to feel. <laughs> And you go into this beautiful shop and it's there's people dressed in su- suits or mm. wearing suspenders and wearing hats and it's like a different world. Wow. And it was packed, like pumping. I had to kind of hustle. Wait and turn. Yeah, I had to ha- kind of hustle a little bit to get to get seen. Uh, and But it was the last most truly uh, kind of, I don't know, extravagant experience I've yeah. had going shopping because they got out this head measurer and... Um, Dust, dusted my hat off and m- measured how my face fit the brim, and I'd never expect. Really? Yeah, yeah, it was so
1: cool. You weren't
0: here. We don't do that anymore in that joint. No, yeah. there was no. We're not here, and it was. It was so cool. Um, and I spent too much on a hat, but you know,
1: you can never spend too much on a hat. But what? Um, does it? So it just fits your head real. good. What if it's windy? Like it will stay no, on your head. No, the only problem is. The lady did say to me, you should be able to fit
0: two fingers between your head and the broom. And I said, I don't think I can do that. And um, now I might be – then it's shrunk a little bit. Oh. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know if it's too tight. Can we see a line when you've worn it all day? No, but I'm getting a little bit of a headache Oh, afterwards. But I don't know if that's just because I'm not used out to wearing. Because or... my la- my last hat was actually too big. Like most of my bras was too big for me.
1: Right. And so
0: maybe I think I'm wearing how, I think this is how a hat is meant to fit. Yeah. And I'm just not used to it. Also, it's made out of rabbit and I've got to keep it away <gasps> from Ralph. That was a specific instruction.
1: <laughs> what did you... is he oh. you trying to
2: get
0: it pregnant. Yeah. What?
1: No, because a dog might eat it. The dog oh, might right. eat it. Yeah, sorry.
2: Yeah. I thought maybe the fur.
1: Oh. <laughs> <laughs> sorry.
0: Triple R.
1: I'm hungry. I want
4: something to eat. Something
1: with a crunch
2: and very sweet. Right. Well, it's time on great for a food interlude with our erudite eater, Michael Harden. Good day, Michael. <laughs> Hello. How are you? <laughs> really well. Uh, What's caught your eye?
4: Uh, I've been looking at, um, there's a whole thing in food waste in in restaurants and a lot of people are going to zero waste and that sort of stuff. You know, it's sort of like trying to sort of not, you know, not use too much, you know, reduce the amount of plastics and all of those sort of things. But there's a, there's sort of, I've been taking a deeper dive into looking at ways of wastage in terms of food production. And there's been a few chefs around that are starting to sort of look into ways of using animals and, and buy products of sort of farming systems that where a lot of there's a lot of wastage so for example um there's a thing called it's 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 such a terrible term spent hens (laughs) so which is sort of it's the it's the hens that have outgrown their laying ability because they're they're a different animal there's two breeds there's meat hens and then there's egg laying hens and like my
0: grandma used to refer to Women are benny yeah. anyway. Like, spent so, I feel like it was an old term, something like, a national senator would
2: say. Yeah, I mean, yeah exactly, exactly.
4: exactly <laughs> you know, don't it's my a,
0: grandma <laughs> under
4: the bus. <laughs> <this>, it's, <laughs> it's a it's a lovely term, and, you know, you, yeah. it, it sort of get, it paints a particular image, it sure doesn't does. it? It's <laughs> like, oh, yeah, he's a spent hen, isn't he? You know.
1: So,
4: <laughs> but uh, yeah, well, you know, and you kind of like when you when you hear about a, a hen, a laying hen's life, you kind of it makes sense because you know they're bred to um do so, to lay three hundred eggs a year. Whereas a like a similar kind of egg laying fowl in the wild would naturally lay twelve.
1: Whoa. Wow.
4: So they're kind of they're they they're doing their job. You know, it's like that's three three hundred eggs a year. And so and they've got a life of around about six hundred days. And at the end of that they, they become spent hens and then a lot of the time they are basically slaughtered and turned into compost. Or they're um, made into pet food. Everything's brutal at this end. Like, you know, mm-hmm. I've been doing some research on this and it's sort of like, wow, you really need to think about what you're eating. Mm-hmm. And so, a lot of things with these spent hens is they're, they're trying, there's um, in many countries in the world, like, you know, France, you know, Coca-Van is all about spent hens, you know, it's a, it's a slow cook because like you know these hens they've, they've got a little bit of age on them so they're going to be tougher and they're going to be like more intense flavored and so they need particular cooking techniques which is probably a lot of the reason that you have you know that they're, they're not on the market so much is because people are used to like being taken like a plump eating chicken mm. and be able to chuck it in the oven and an hour later they've got a roast chicken whereas these ones need a bit of care and attention so um that's sort of part of the reason why that you don't see them but there's more and more they're coming on to the market and you just need to know and they taste really good, you know, it's sort of like they're intense. If
1: they're cooked right. If
4: they're cooked right. Like otherwise, you know, you don't want to like if somebody said, Yeah, I've just popped a spent hen in the oven for an hour. Do you want some? Just no, go, i I have to leave. Yeah. So um but you know they're they uh, but otherwise it's sort of it's nice to see them use the other way, the other way You going not work
2: on your excuses
4: <laughs> <laughs> not really <All> right. no. <laughs> Yeah, but uh, you know, but there, but there's an even nicer thing that there's now uh, Animals Australia, you know, one of the welfare agencies for animals, and and um, have got a, a a link on their website now where you can adopt a spent hen. And just have them like pecking around in your garden for a while, so it's like you know, like a used greyhound oh, or something. You know, oh, they're kind oh. of you can you can do that. So I thought that's the one bright spark on the on the, on the horizon in this session. So there you go. Think I know about you've that. got a lot, Happy lot to get through, but I'm just
0: so interested about this the hen laying that you've just described. Mm. So when you purchase free range eggs. Uh, I usually feel like that's the ethical option yep. as opposed to battery hens but it, so all free range eggs that you're buying would they be being have eggs produced at the rate that you described same no oh okay no
4: no it's sort of like that that the 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 300 eggs a year yeah. is at the at the commercial end okay, of the right. thing so you know on uh, the, um, these these chickens that are you know the egg laying chickens in free range farms they're still breeding they're still laying a lot of eggs yeah but not to that sort of extent, and they're also, you know, getting out and being able to stretch their legs a bit okay, as well. Right. So and socialise and all of that sort of stuff, which is what these birds like to do. Yep. So, um, but yeah, it is one of those ones where you have to, uh, you know, it is it, it does start to make you think. It's sort of the same with the, the next one that I'm moving on to is old dairy cows. Yep. So uh, you know, a lot of the time, you know, the beef that we eat. In this country, is usually one to two years old. Mm-hmm. Um, dairy cows they usually they have got a lifespan of five to seven years before they um, become you know they sort of like an old breeder. He's another that's another nice name, mm-hmm. an old okay. breeder, which is one that stops you know they stop being, stops being fertile. And um, you know and you know the, that's the other thing that they, you don't think of so much is that um, you know for cows to produce milk. They need to calf, so they have to be pregnant at least once a year in order to produce milk. So then you've got all of the the calves that mm. are that are byproduct of that. Um, so um, you've got uh, particularly the males because mm. they're no use of no use in the dairy industry, and so there's a lot. There's like about four hundred thousand of those born every year, and um, a lot of the time those are um, used for lots of different things: hides. Um, Low quality veal it's called potty veal, so and they're, they're, they're not you know the, the, the majority of them aren't treated all that well it's not, it's not as bad as it used to be. it used mm-hmm. to be you know veal used to have that thing with the horrible crates and you know kind of all of that sort of stuff but it's slightly better, but there's another there's another um, type of veal called rose veal, which is trying they're trying to do which is basically um, giving the calves a better life it's like it's more humane it still ends up with a calf. Dying, mm. but instead of being separated from its mother originally and packed into pens with other calves and being sort of terrified, they're allowed to stay with the mum for a while and and eat and you know feed from the mother and then allowed to um, have some time on pasture. So instead of traditionally the meat being white, which is what veal is all about, because they're basically only. Been drinking milk or fake colostrum, um, they uh, actually have a bit of bit of grass in them, so the meat's got a bit of colour. So you know that the, with the Roseville, you know that the calf has had a few months of nice life where it's been sort of out, like hanging out with its mum and some other calves and that sort of stuff. So it's sort of, we're still eating the animal at the end of it. So, you know, that's, that's the basic bottom line, So mm. you, whether or not you agree with that. But it's sort of like at least with these animals, there is sort of a more humane way of doing things, which is what's happening with some of the old dairy cows as well because, of course, they were most in the, in the past, most of the old dairy cows, once they'd outlived their usefulness, they would be killed and then shipped off to America to become hamburger mince. And, um, you know, because it's all just part of the chain because the system in Australia with with meat is sort of like that you want want to get them in and out, like fattened and dead and then because, you know, feed is money. So with these old cows, if they're not productive, they want to kill them and get them out really quickly but they've started to realize that the Spanish have been doing this forever where dairy cows are actually a delicacy so they they've, they've got a particular flavor to them and because they've spent their whole life on grass um, they've got a, like a really good quality fat and everything like that but again it's one of those ones where it takes a bit of time to get the meat up to a certain standard so it needs to be dry aged which is basically um, dehydrating the meat in a climate Controlled environment for between eighty and one hundred and fifty days, because the, these cows have been working cows, so they've lots of lots of muscle and lots of um, connective tendon and that sort of stuff. And so if they put if they dry age them, um, that all breaks down, and so you have this meat that is absolutely amazingly flavoured and it's yeah. like a beautiful fat on it if you like that and it, which is slightly yellow because of the beta carotene in the in the grass and it's like this delicious buttery kind of meat and the flavour of the meat is fantastic mm. so so
2: foodways being flavour of the month can make the industry think inventively
4: yes yeah exactly it's sort of like and also I, the, the thing that i really like about it is that a lot of these things are being done for humane reasons you know, it's like yes, there is a there's a there's a commercial side to it as well, but the to, to start these things off it is is expensive, and people are trying to get them up to a, a level like you know with the Roseville where it sort of like become it pays off, and it's starting to, but it's sort of like a, I think the idea of kind of. Being more aware of our food production systems and what's happening to the animals within them is um, it's good for everybody. Yeah. So, you know.
2: Well, Michael, you're not a spent hand. There's plenty of <laughs> more into you yet. Uh, see you next time yep. thanks a lot. No worries.
3: Triple R on FM Digital Online via the app.
2: Repeat Attenders is a new documentary that shines a spotlight on Broadway superfans and the growing global phenomenon of audience members who literally can't get enough of seeing long-running shows, and it examines just how far extreme stage enthusiasts will go in pursuit of their passion. Its producer and director is Melbourne-based Mark Dooley, who has decades of experience in factual and documentary television and ahead of the film's premiere, the filmmaker joins us now. Mark, welcome to Breakfasters.
5: Good morning. Thanks for having me. Oh, our pleasure.
2: <laughs> now, you filmed this over six years, Broadway, West End, Germany, Australia. What? Why your passion for other people's passion?
5: Uh, I think it came from me being a bit of a fan of musicals. I was brought up on them and sort of watched them from a, you know, from a kid, but then sort of had a curiosity as to why people took it to the next level. And uh, I thought it was an interesting side of fandom, interesting side of musical theatre that hadn't been explored. And... I thought, well, if no one's gonna do it I should did, get like, into it.
1: Did you think you were a fan and then you met other fans and you went, Oh, I'm not a fan. Oh,
5: absolutely. <laughs> the minute that I put the word out and said, thinking about doing this, how many times are people I just I mean, still to this day I still get emails and inquiries and say, Oh, do you still need any stories? And it's just I yeah, it's mind boggling how many people Take this pretty seriously.
0: What constitutes a super fan of musical theatre?
5: Well, I think for me, it's the the sort of extreme numbers. Any any time you've seen a show over a hundred times, I think would be you <sighs> yeah. know yeah you're pretty you're a pretty serious fan. That I think I I worked in a box office in London, so we got lots of free tickets, and so we'd see shows a couple of times, and so I'd go oh, okay. I've seen Wicked a couple of times, maybe six around the world. I think that's – I don't need to see it anymore. A great show, big spectacle, but I'm not going to get anything more out of it by mm. seeing it again. And it's – yeah, it interests me as to why people keep going. What is that thing that's driving that ambition?
2: Are there any uh, characters or um, people you follow in the documentary who have a particular love of a show and you're like, oh, yeah, I, I get that one maybe more than the others?
5: Yeah, I think so – Um. Uh, in the film, uh, I, I guess I relate to one of the characters, Gudrun, who who went for some soothing and went for some healing and went for a bit of escapism. And I understand that, being part of a, a world where you can feel like you're part of a community but you don't have to sort of throw yourself into it so much. You're in an audience. Most of the time at the theatre, if you sit down and you're on your own, People Mm. will have a chat to you. That's really rare. If you go to a sporting event or, you know, that's not that common that people just have a bit of a chat. So I would kind of, I guess, relate to that reason why you would go to theatre.
1: That I understand completely. I was having a chat with someone the other day about, um, just yesterday actually, about how I love to go watch shows because it's you're in a dark room and you don't have to talk to anybody (laughs) and you can just be caught up in what you're watching and if you want to sit there and cry through the whole thing, you can do it. So I understand that aspect of it.
5: Absolutely. And imagine that. Like, if you, were, if you were sitting on the train and you started crying, people would say, Oh, what's this? You know, mm. nut jobs, you know, losing their mind on the train. But you can go into a theatre and do it, and it's totally acceptable. Yeah, and it's love actually it. fine if four people nearby don't cry and didn't have that connection. I think that's a really special thing to be part of.
0: Mm. Is there one particular musical that lends itself to superfans more than any other? And if so, why? Can I guess?
5: Yeah, sure, yeah. Yep. It, oh. Cats? It does, have, it does have quite a following. I find that the the Cats fandom, it's more about wanting to do the costuming and the makeup. So that's the attraction to that show because mm-hmm. it's so intricate and and, um, and artistic, that makeup. Um, I, I wouldn't say there's one in particular, but I guess the shows that are long running uh, give people more of an opportunity to go back to them more times. So there is that you would have that sense of community and, and um familiarity I guess if if it's there and and you can do that. Um but it's it's strange. I don't think from what I've sort of gathered from the producers and um the people in the industry is they wish they knew what that was. Yeah. If they yeah. knew what that <laughs> that ingredient was, <laughs> mm. then they would be making that show and multiple times. So sometimes it just naturally happens. So yeah, it's the, a tricky the, one.
2: The film is uh, very affectionate towards the subject without romanticising their passion necessarily. Um, have Have they seen it?
5: Actually, no. They oh. haven't yet. No. So um, I. Did get from one of the characters in the film. I don't want to give too much away, but um, uh, a gentleman who took things a little bit too far with one of the stars of the of the um, production that he was following, um, and got himself into a bit of trouble. He emailed me randomly yesterday and had seen, seen that sort of movement about the film and everything. So there's. Yeah, there's <laughs> a couple of um, a couple of things that pop up. Um, uh, yeah, it's a random. Sorry, uh, lost a bit of track. No, I know me, what but. you're
2: <laughs> referring It's, it's, it's uh, the reason why it's easy to be speechless is to receive an email in particular from from this guy's. Well, anyway. Yeah, yeah. Well, now we're both speechless. <laughs> yeah,
5: um, yeah. It, it's <laughs> look. It's. The The thing that was sort of missing in the film was mm. having that re- – and one thing I really struggled with was I wanted to, I wanted to give the fans some love because they don't get a lot of love online and it's a bit of a strange thing that people don't understand. And I'm, I was very – I was kind of adamant that I wanted the audience to see the film and by the end they go – at least they go, I understand why they do it. They mm. don't have to accept it or think that it's fine, but I understand and maybe I can relate to one or two things. I had to find that other flip side, which was – tricky for me because I had to get the balance right of going, I'm not saying that all the fans are like him, because they're really not. That's a very, very but I have to show the other side, the dangerous Mm. side.
2: Yeah. Uh, and when people, because people are very specific about the number of shows they've seen, and someone like you know Glenn McGrath, test cricketer, he he can say every wicket and exactly what happened. Do these fans know the difference between show oh, three hundred one and three hundred nine? One
5: hundred percent. Right. That's and sometimes that's the attraction as well. There's so many. There's so many elements to this fandom that I just couldn't cover. So there's a lot there that's just yeah is unexplored. But some of them go. Because they love that, because they could be there when that person falls over and the understudy uh. comes on halfway through that scene and, and they can say they were part of that. Mm-hmm. That oh yeah, I saw, oh, yeah, I was there when that happened that night. That's a pretty – within yeah. the family, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, know, you get some street cred for that.
0: Musical- oh, sorry. No. I was going to say musical theatre is really divisive. Some people hate it, right? And so there's these two kind of extremes when people who don't want to go and see it and these super fans, Well, ha- in the process of this, have you been able to identify – Something that happens to humans, or what it is in a human that makes them like theatre, musical theatre, and what makes them dislike it. Like, is there a something that you need to have?
5: Um, I certainly think you need to have an open mind and a very active imagination. Yeah, right. So, um, one of the things I. I talk about or explore or sort of explain is just just how much your subconscious is involved in theater that you go to this show and it's quite ridiculous when you think of it you're sitting in it in this you know as you're saying Geraldine in the dark theater <laughs> with strangers the lights go down lights come up and move and there's smoke and music and fake sets and fake costumes and people doing fake things but we totally believe it all Mm. We're totally swept away in that world and we think it's real. It's no different to watching a movie. If you're affected in some way watching a movie, it's the same for a musical. You've just got to get over the bit where they just start singing, you know, yeah. <laughs> through everyday life. Yeah, yeah. But, God, surely we all know someone who does that anyway. <laughs> <Like Yeah. laughs> someone, someone in real life who sings a show tune, you know, randomly. And
2: <laughs> and, and when a show, long-running show ends, is there a sense of mourning among uh, the Theatre goers?
5: Absolutely. There was, there was one, and look, there were so many interviews I did I couldn't use just for lots of reasons. But there was one fan who she had seen Priscilla Queen of the Desert um, on Broadway and then the show closed, and she was absolutely devastated, couldn't walk past the theatre. Like it was that, <gasps> it was that at that level. Then she heard that this show was starting up after that and sort of made some inquiries, and it was Kinky Boots, a workshop of Kinky Boots. So she thought, well, I spend so much money on tickets, I'm going to inquire about being an investor. So she became part of a um part of a group of investors because you need a lot of money. So it was a group of ten investors and they all pulled their money together. And she was one of the first investors of Kinky Boots and then had the wow. option to invest all around the world. So She's done very well in turning her fandom into a business and as, a, as, as, as an investor but kind of a producer too. So. Wow,
2: success story.
5: Yeah, yeah. So, yes, there's there's definitely a mourning period that, that fans go to but they often will then, the really extreme ones, they'll often just jump onto another show. They'll find something maybe in a year's time or two years' time mm. that they can connect to again.
2: Yeah. And just quickly, what, what is your number of yeah. your fans? <laughs> show? Yeah.
5: Of, of mine? Uh, I, I'd, I'd probably have to say it was, it is wicked. Yeah, and it'd have to be maybe six or eight.
1: <laughs> okay,
5: and that's, that's all right. you know that's pretty good. Do you maybe... listen?
1: To, have you got the the cast album in the car? Listen to that. Oh that you're yeah, driving around, I'll crack it open every now and again <laughs> and give
5: it, give it a bit of a burl. But for me, I mean, I've seen that all around the world. So if I'm in LA or you know if I was mm. filming. And there's a show and I'll go and see it. Yeah. That for me is that big spectacle that can take me away to that sort of fantasy Harry Potter-esque world yeah. and just, yeah, totally, totally immerse myself in it. But I'm, I'm done now. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I've, 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 it, I've seen it too much. That's, that's, yeah, I'm never going double digits. <laughs> uh,
2: well, the new documentary, Repeat Attenders, uh, is screening at Palace Cinemas in Melbourne from Wednesday 19th of February and around the country. Uh, from that date, we've been speaking with filmmaker Mark Dawley. Thanks so much, Mark.
5: Thanks, gang. Triple. ah. Uh,
1: For possibly the last time, Mm. it's the final Chubfish Labor Watch. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) I
2: tell you what, this Chubfish Labor Watch feels like it's been going forever. Yeah. And the longer it goes, it's like... It's like, is she pregnant? Like, is Daniel lying? Or has he just made this yeah, up? Yeah, I feel like like the Belle Gibson of pregnancies <laughs> or something.
0: Like I I imagine I, that. It's, just, it's really coming to a
2: crescendo at the moment. Something that, yeah, commercial radio. Yeah, we did it for ratings. Yeah. Um, but no, Jessie is pregnant. And uh, I was uh, at the hospital last night at like 11pm because there was a, go on.
1: move. Well, you're probably just about to answer me, so go.
2: No, well, that, yeah, there was movement. Uh, at the, the station, station. Yeah. and uh, and but it was as a result of uh because Jessie's usually a very active person very busy and i think she's tired of being pregnant yes she's overdue uh and i think i left to pick up dinner i came back and um anyway she said she'd been dancing oh <laughs> So, so she'd been, and she—how did she say that? When, when, in a worried way, or in a casual? Well, when the when the I only found out when the movement happened, right? Or when that when there was an incident, and uh, and well, actually, she she was on the phone. She she said she'd been dancing. She looked like she looked exhausted was she from sweaty? dancing. Yeah, yeah, she was a bit clammy. And I said, "What were you dancing to?" She says, "Like disco stuff or something." <laughs> And I can't – I. it was just quite bizarre. Anyway, so we call the number they tell us to call and she sells the – she explains very matter-of-factly what she was doing and she said, I was dancing vigorously. <laughs> <laughs> and then the nurse was like, were you happy? Was it, oh, yeah. Were you <laughs> happy? Yeah. Or was it angry dancing? <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, shit. Anyway, so in we go. We go into the hospital and um, – for monitoring, and you know, it's, it feels like it's on. And mm. it, it, interestingly, there was a Triple R. Obviously, it was programmed, and I think at nine fifty eight, there was a song with Jesse in the title. Really? Well, yeah, which she was excited by. Uh, and but, started dancing vigorously. <laughs> <in the air. laughs> That's right. <laughs> uh, but because her stomach, you know, also on the way to the hospital, you see people everywhere. So. Just walking the streets, living their lives, and Jesse was like, "Oh, this feels like you know the most momentous day of my life." And then you look at everyone and realize that everybody is the product of this. Like, yeah, yeah. like oh, a, that's
1: so deep. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
0: that's very existential. That's intense. <laughs>
2: oh. <laughs> um, <laughs> but the – because her stomach. It's. It looks like you can see it from a distance. She's so yeah. Like it looks like a mouse running under a rug.
1: Oh, oh, It's yes. really? Like these waves of like fish oh,
2: just so, punching yeah, the air. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. yeah. yeah it is. Um, and then so,
0: you know, and then because mouse oh. running under a rug is a horrible. <laughs> oh, sorry, <laughs> so horrible. <laughs> sorry, but it works. Yeah, Keep um, ruining pregnancy for me.
2: And then I'm worried that she'll be like Chubfish She'll be so. <laughs> cooked like apparently so cooked. like it'll not that it'll come out speaking or anything yeah. but like it'll come out like a tv baby like oh uh, yeah like Perfect not a newborn, giant. but a, yeah yeah, yeah. teeth and hair <laughs> <laughs> That's right. and apparently they they because he's swimming around in his own juices yeah and so it's like a bath it's uh, like being in a bath too long and then you come out wrinkly
3: Oh, and I and don't want to,
2: finish. you know, take a photo, send it around, and they're like this is Winston Churchill. <laughs> you just
1: wait, wait a bit till he's thawed out. Yeah,
0: exactly. <laughs> I think the more cooked the better. <laughs> they always look better when they're a little overcooked. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Well, I
2: also we, I think she was probably dancing, and I don't know, I haven't asked really, but the uh, the idea we were talking to Dr. Jen yesterday, who was also kind of just had an aversion to an induction. Like having yeah. the birth date of your baby decided by an obstetrician, yeah, uh, uh, yeah. I, I think that... it's more about the pain of the induction. Oh, definitely, oh. <laughs> definitely, <laughs> uh, absolutely. Uh, but but Jesse, yeah, Jesse flagged that as maybe a fifth order concern. But, uh, uh, <laughs> but but yeah, like I. uh, So it could happen any second.
0: Um. You know, and so then how do, you, asked- how do you feel? Like, do you, have you had much sleep? Do you feel not really? Because
2: she also sent me to the car at three thirty a.m. Oh my God, to get a it. mouth guard.
1: <laughs> oh, because
2: right. we, we put a mouth guard. In so the bag. she
1: like in in is that mouth guard so she can grit her teeth through contractions throughout the night? I think so, but she needs a mouth for some reason. Yeah, right.
2: maybe she's maybe it's painful and she's grinding. Mm. But also, people call up for intel because there's a sweep for the birthday. Oh, yes. Oh. So so there are these, you know, you've got people calling up and they're, they're checking in and they care. But, but they also, also want to know <laughs> they want the yeah. money. <laughs> if they're, they're going to win any money. Because oh. they've got this spreadsheet. S- and yeah, there are only, you know, there are. I don't think there's anyone who's chosen the 13th, which is today. <gasps> so what happens to the money? You get to you keep
0: get it. I <laughs> have to go up into Chubfish, though, because it's like stage oh, yeah, parenting. Give to <laughs> yeah. 10% to you, I the rest
2: of Chubfish. They're, but they're also, there's a secondary betting market on the weight, so maybe we're, the money just oh. defers to the weight. Are you, Are you no, serious? No, no. Mm.
1: But, so tell <laughs> us, there's, um, you went to hospital last night. Mm. Um, they checked up on things and they sent you back home.
0: What did they say? Is there's not enough movement.
1: Well, yeah, they said you're
2: showing or whatever or... Uh there's there's you know the show. Yeah <laughs> yeah. It's I mean look, the term people who know this know the terminology. Yes. Yeah. So I'll just say it. Yeah yeah. Yeah. Bloody show. The bloody show. Yeah. yeah.
0: <sighs>
2: wow. So so uh and it's it's weird because now I also spent a fortune by accident getting the car cleaned.
1: Oh! Oh no! Oh. Do you
2: need to get the car cleaned
1: again? No, I don't need to get the car cleaned <laughs> oh. again.
2: But but you know, like what if her? What if her water breaks when I'm driving in there? And it's <gasps> oh. like, oh, it's got this new car smell. No, nah,
1: that was put down some
0: garbage bags.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I've heard that that garbage, but there's not a lot of. Um, not, not a lot to show. Yeah. Well, when the waters break, it it doesn't happen like it does in the movies. Right. Okay.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, it's not like a bucket. No. But uh, just... So she's back at home and um, now you just we're just waiting now. Just waiting, expecting
2: any second. She's in pain. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Exactly. But, but there's another appointment in the hospital like after the show. So, you know, after our show. Yeah. Not the bloody. Uh, no. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Although that's what we do call breakfast, <laughs> Uh And then because the monitoring takes a while because you've got to sit there and,
1: yeah, yeah. you
2: know, because you've got to sit there for a while so they have enough intel so you can see patterns emerge. Oh. So, and she was reading, she made me read a book to her.
1: Oh, that's nice. Yeah. What book did what you read? A great idea. It a
2: idea. It was Discworld by Terry Pratchett.
1: Oh. Oh.
2: But it's – and I don't think – neither of us are real fantasy readers. Yeah, I was going to say, it's an interesting choice. Yeah, yeah. So I'm like reading that spindle whistles and all this sort of <laughs> stuff. Wow. I wonder what that's going to be the chump exactly Yeah,
1: exactly. Uh,
2: but, yeah, and, and so this might be it. And then so I'll be away for two weeks. Yes. Yes.
0: Mm.
1: From Monday. And
0: you're going to be replaced by Daniel James, James. temporarily. Yes. Yeah. Which is, yes. might be confusing. So maybe we'll call him DJ. Oh.
1: oh.
0: Do you reckon you would be okay with that so people don't think you're the same person and get confused?
1: Yeah. Who doesn't want to be called DJ? Yeah, yeah. i love that. Like yeah. Full House. Yeah.
2: Uh, but it's also... DJ Tanner. There was also, the, when we were in there, they were like, what time did the did the incident happen? And uh, it's always interesting because I felt like I was being interrogated by a policeman. <gasps> Is the incident um, that's not vigorously dancing? <laughs> no, no. It was the result of the vigorous dancing. Yeah. And what do we, what do we, to say about vigorous dancing? That it works? Maybe, mm. maybe. Yeah. All right. But it's yeah. I just feel bad that there was a party going on at home and I wasn't invited. Oh yeah. Like I leave and she starts dancing. Uh, but yeah, it's it's going to be. Uh, you know, I don't think I was
0: very calm. Oh really? So you've already had an insight into the birth partner I, you're I, gonna be. I
2: think I was well I missed it. I missed the turn off to the hospital. Oh, so straight true. off. Oh, you have one job. Yeah, <laughs> one job! Oh and uh and I was sweating, but it was hot. It was hot
1: last night? Yeah, yeah, it, was it, hot. Was hot. yeah, yeah it was hot. You're doing a great job. Thanks very much, you're Jill gonna be team. a very calm, <laughs> in control <Yeah>. birth partner. Triple <laughs> R.
2: Stand up comedian Eliza Schlesinger is the star of five Netflix specials, her latest unveiled having premiered in November. She's the author of the book Girl Logic, host of the podcast AIA Ask Eliza Anything, and has a new film and TV show coming out in 2020, also with Netflix. But first, she's back in Australia with her brand new stand up show, The Forever Tour, and the prolific performer joins us now. Eliza, welcome back to the Triple R Studios. Thanks
6: for having me, you guys.
2: Our absolute pleasure. Now, you, you've, you've made it here on your way from Vietnam.
6: I'm not going anymore. Oh, really? Oh. oh, there's this, the coronavirus really put a kink <gasps> oh. in my plans. <laughs> yeah, I was going to Vietnam, I was going to Hanoi and Ho Chi Minh City and Bangkok and at the buzzer, like an hour before coming to Australia, we decided to cancel it just because you, you, just you don't know, you don't yeah. know and you, you're just like none of us are getting all the information and my nightmare would be getting i mean aside from getting the virus would be getting detained <laughs> in like korea on my way home oh, yeah. like yeah. an i am legend situation where they <laughs> scan your temperature and then I would just—I've got a lot of stuff I got to get back for. So, well, it will always be there until global warming takes yeah. takes us all away. It will always be there. What are you going do
2: instead now that your schedule's opened up? I go home. I see my family. I yeah, kiss my right. dog on <laughs> <in> the mouth.
3: <laughs>
2: I won't spend my birthday that's how on it's an Fred, airplane. Sure. Yeah.
6: Oh, right. So, gotta get home.
2: Uh, uh, now your your comedy is, is so uh, so physical and uh, but there's there's more than that. I, there was no, a routine it. of yours where it's you, you a... used the word corpulent. Yes. And I was like, I don't think I've heard a stand-up use the word corpulent.
6: And then you went back, you checked your files, and you are like,
2: confirm. <laughs> but I was, I was so, like, how, how long do your, because you're so prolific, You've, you know, five specials in quick succession. How long does
6: a bit take to generate? Like, um, a nice corpulent bit that's yeah, got a lot yeah. of good words in it? Uh, you know, a bit could take, sometimes I can hear myself, there we go. A bit can take a moment. It can take months. You know, you're forever polishing these things. So the act that you see at the beginning of the year is very different than the act at the end of the year. So when people are like, oh, if I come out, is it going to be new material? It's always new. It's always Mm. different. When you record a special, this is so cheesy. It's like a bottle of wine. You're capturing it in that moment. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, it'll never quite be the same, even if you do the jokes the next day. You're always coming up with stuff.
1: How many gigs are you doing uh, a week in the lead up to before a special? Like when you're writing a new show, what's your your weekly schedule like?
6: Well, so you tour. I mean, I tour. We've got the Forever Tour going on now. But then I tour particularly heavily leading up to it because you want to you know get yep. those reps in as much as you can and you want to run the full hour but at home you want to age it like a fine one like a fine one <laughs> but at home i do you know sets at the comedy store and the improv and places like that and so you're only getting up for 15 minutes at a time just gathering your sets just like any comic in any city mm. uh but those are from – those are the seeds that you plant, those little bits, and then you keep polishing them every night, and then you bring them on the road mm. put all your seeds together. And does the
2: podcast help develop material?
6: No. <laughs> it's, a, it's a different muscle, yeah. you know, yeah. because – and it's fun to – people write in. They ask all these questions. A lot of our questions end up being girls asking advice on how to break up with a friend. <laughs> Women have <laughs> – everything I read, it's like, I'm a nurse from wisconsin <laughs> it's always that and it's always like i've got a friend who doesn't reciprocate i'm like cut her loose yeah <laughs> women have we have a problem with that like you yeah, know we it's hard we, we? we want to hold on and, and we don't, don't need to no we don't need to and it's also it's easy to tell a lover whatever gender you are you can say mean things to a lover but you can't spit that type of vitriol at a friend what's yeah. your best breakup line for a friend you don't have one you, you just stop need... communicating uh... <laughs> Like I, I haven't like answered it. these texts because I think about all the times you've reached out to someone and they have been like, "Yeah, no, right?" Like they haven't written back. You people have done it to you. You can do it to them. Yeah, I'm take this on board. Have yeah. you?
1: It, I've had I had a friend once that um called me out on not responding to their messages. Oy. They oh. were like. You know, I've given you so many opportunities, and if you can't get on board, then our friendship is over. Did you want to be that person's friend? Yeah. Well, I realized at that time that no, not not so. There you go. (laughs) Not just let it go. Nothing brings you closer
2: than
6: an ultimatum. Yeah, right. (laughs) A nice threat (laughs) to let you know I care. But you know, especially in LA, and I am not a flaky person. And like, look, we all have phones. We know how phones work. And oh, I didn't see this text. Whatever you it's you don't have to not write back but you if you if you have a friend that keeps saying that they're busy that means they're not making time for you. Real friendship is going out of your way to mm. being convenienced mm. to yeah. help someone and so that means they kind of they're not that into you and that's okay.
2: <laughs> uh they the uh this the movie coming out yes. is went so it's due this year.
6: It's March 6th. Right. Spencer Confidential.
2: Right. On and, Netflix. And so what's this time like before it launches? Are you not even thinking about it or is it it's coming down the pipe? I think about it all the time.
4: <laughs>
6: <laughs> I think about it cuz we shot this movie so long ago and it's just you know you're waiting. Yeah. And you don't know when it's going to be released and you don't know the premiere date and it finally came out it it's going to be March 6th. So when I come home I get to do Jimmy Kimmel and James Corden. I get to uh. finally sit on a couch. I don't have to do stand up. Like I get to be a panelist. <laughs> and so I've been looking for, forward to that. Uh, and we'll have a premiere. And so I get to go through all the machinations of a, a normal movie person and get to promote this movie. Really yeah, right is now. it too much time to think about it though? You, it's a heard, lot. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I is I think it, about it bits much. are
0: going over in your head, going shit.
6: Want to change it? No. I feel like a squirrel that has this like prized acorn at home and I can't bring it out yet because because it's not ready yeah. and, and I just know that it's there and I just keep thinking about my acorn and how beautiful <laughs> it's going to be when I bring it out and I get to finally eat it.
1: <laughs> so you, you've done a movie, you've got your podcast, you're touring constantly, you're a big comedy superstar. What oh. else do you want to do? I would like, I've got a,
6: a sketch show coming out on netflix uh this spring i would like for that to have a season two i would like for the movie i just shot that i wrote to be good i just want to here's what i want i think this is what every artist wants i want to be able to do my own art on bigger and better platforms and not be told no so much Mm. because all these things you're saying who tells you no all the time constantly Every day, all day, every day. Oh, she's not right. We want an Eliza Schlesinger type, but not this one. Or it's they'll give you something, but not on the terms. And so a big part of this career is holding out until you can do things the way you want to do them.
1: Mm -hmm. Is
0: there like an ultimate gig that you haven't done that you want to do? Like if the Oscars still had a host, would you want to host the Oscars?
6: I don't know. I mean, yeah, sure. But that's not... I'd love to have a late night show. I think America could use that. Um, But yeah, I just love... You know, you want to make like those power moves. I launched a perfume this year. We sold a thousand bottles, so get to do things like that <laughs> where people respond versus you're like, well, I put a link on my Instagram. Mm. I hope it works. So,
2: well, yeah. your your fans, you know, you have a lot of swag, and your fans uh, they love you. Obviously, each special is very autobiographical. Yes, uh, and is is that what drags? Not drags, but is that what compels your fans? The fact that you give so much of yourself
6: compels them to well to to, to invest in you so much that they're buying perfumes What what is right. the perfume it was called christmas mouth <laughs> and it was named after my now late dog blanche uh i called her mouth her christmas mouth every dog has a christmas mouth if you want it to be and it didn't smell like her mouth smelled like garbage and tuna <laughs> like bad tuna but i loved it uh so it was a very uh holiday-y smell and it was a a seasonal item i i think people mm, I don't know, because I didn't set out to... Yeah. Comedy is a very selfish thing. And we act like, oh, I'm making people laugh. So altruistic. It is selfish. It's selfish you're a comic. Like, to mm. stand up there... It's the only time I throw it in. I'm like, you're, you're selfish. You yeah. get <laughs> You're standing up there. And you're like, I need this attention. But the longer you do it, the more you realize, you know... I mean, you are saying the things that people are thinking. And what you begin to tap into is that people feel very alone. And people are hurting in ways that if you're privileged enough to not be hurting that way, you don't realize... And so whether it's a respite from their bad day or maybe they have something horrible going on just to – your comedy or my comedy I found with a lot of people who tell me. It's like, oh, this was the only thing that made me feel better. Mm. Whether they're speaking hyperbolically or not, uh, I think people need to feel good and that's the outlet. And so I think it connects, especially for for women in particular, as another woman saying, I feel that way too and that's okay. Mm. Even I need that. I need to – Uh, measure myself against other people to know like it's okay down to a fashion item or just a mood you know I feel bad and another woman saying oh my god me too just letting you know that you're not alone uh, in in this journey of being a human Mm. who are the comics that have done that for you it's a no no one it's a very (laughs) lonely competitive uh, I don't know it's for me it was less about checking in because I never thought to check in with anyone because i grew up in dallas texas uh so not anywhere near hollywood and so you kind of cobble together like when you're the funny kid you're cobbling together whatever education you can so it's in living Mm. color or it's some people on snl or it was kids in the hall you know just little things uh putting together your little own comedy bible um and The older you get, the more you realize you weren't alone. There were funny people out there doing it, you know, but when you're so focused on making it because nobody's actually supporting you and you're just doing it, Mm. uh, you don't have time to really think about it.
2: And when this sketch show premieres, what can we expect? Oh, boy.
6: Uh, (laughs) I do an Australian character. Finally. (gasps) Get out. Yeah. Do you? I do an Australian character. Can we get a taste taste (laughs) test? Think about it. All right. Well, so all Americans think they can, well, I don't know. I think they can do good australian accents and then you do it on stage uh here in australia and they're like yeah no like it's not that good uh her name's kit Wazzle. <laughs> and she's a stunt woman yeah she's nicole kidman's stunt double <laughs> and uh we follow her on an audition because she's got the acting bug <laughs> and uh so we see her on an audition My, that's and pretty
4: good it's, it's not bad couple-
6: it's I mean, yeah. I had... Because I had, I'm not improv... Well, I guess we did a little bit of improvising, but I had the lines... And one of my good friends, um, his name is Waz, and he uh, comes to LA every couple weeks. So we're, and he lives in Sydney. Uh, so I called him and I was like, I, at first of all, I made him watch the rough cut. And I was like, yeah. is the accent cool? He's like, no one's going to think Australian. And there's even a moment in the sketch where they're like, are you South African or Australian? I'm like, yes. But he gave me a phrase I'd never heard that you guys say, like stand out like dogs' bulls. And so I put that in. And then I have a moment where I run into a wall and I yell for queen and country. And so, <laughs> trying to make it as Aussie as possible without being so Aussie that the Americans don't get the references. Yeah. Mm. So, I think it's all Can't right. That's Why? gorgeous.
2: And, and just uh, that's while- only one sketch. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, um, while you're in the country, uh, you know, you're a wildlife lover. Is it a stretch to call you an amateur ornithologist?
6: I'm, uh, it's very stretch. Okay. <laughs> What's below amateur? Just regular person? <laughs> but you love birds i don't love birds i don't, i don't know i made a joke about okay. birds and be, you're not the first person i'm only laughing because this girl recently was like and i heard like it was in my bio she was introducing me she was like she's an ornithology expert and i was like oh, it's well. just one no i don't know anything about birds it was just the i know you're setting me up for a bit but no I but you, no but you're <laughs> <I'm> so sorry <laughs> i just realized what you were doing No, but i'm i'm, I'm just thinking about you think i'd be better at this? Like, he's like i'm just trying to do my job <laughs> I'm I'm leaning. So, so, I'm so sorry. It's very I'm, early. I'm
2: so sorry. <laughs> I'm just leaning towards your passion for our life while in Australia. Yes,
6: and may I just say, as a Californian, our hearts bled for you guys. Uh, just watching mm. you from a world away, going through it, and I get goosebumps thinking about it because I, I'm sure you all felt helpless, and we felt so helpless because not only is it an entire world away, you know Australia is an island, and you're it, it's you watch it, and you're like, what do I do? Do I donate a hundred? dollars usd to of uh, to the red cross like you don't know mm. so you know you do and you set up stuff and anybody over here you know i would retweet or regram their stuff but when it's foreign and it's a disaster you you feel so helpless
1: and disconnected as completely. well completely yeah, um,
6: yeah and so the most i could do we have uh buckets that will be set up for collecting at my shows to donate money uh, to different funds, wildlife funds, we've got people awesome. coming, just trying to do something because you know California goes through those things as well, and mm. it does hit home, and it is, you know, this sounds so weird, but like when it does affect celebrities, isn't you know people because when it's rural, people are yeah. like oh it's them, it's out there, and when it comes into your city. It's such a clear and present thing, and it's so much more visceral. And, and uh, can I give it. you
1: a hot tip and where to go to check out some cool wildlife? Yeah, go to Hillsville Sanctuary and go to the um, bird show. Is that here in Melbourne? Yep. Shine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Bird sanctuary, but all your animals and just
6: watching them and the koalas and just cut to me like on the toilet back in America. Like this koala doesn't have a mom! <laughs> that's right. so people are dying everywhere, and I'm like, "This koala!" Like it really tugs at your heartstrings. Are your Quokkas okay? Uh, uh, I think so, because yeah. yeah. they yeah. live on their own island. Yeah. 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 Okay, They'll probably a... be the only ones that are okay. That's right. And can someone bring one? Here? <laughs> <laughs> can someone no, smuggle no. me a Quokka? Absolutely not. <laughs> oh. Well, the
2: Forever Tour is on uh, this Saturday, 15th of February at Hamer Hall. You can go to, to uh for tickets and you're touring around the country as well.
6: Yes, going to Brisbane and Sydney as well. Oh, it's all happening. Uh, Eliza <laughs> all Schlesinger, happening. thanks so much for coming in.
1: Thanks, you guys.
3: Triple R on FM, digital,
5: online and via the app.
1: There is no denying that some of the greatest albums to ever be released have been in the form of a compilation. Agreed. Totally Totally agree. agree.
0: In fact, the first record I ever owned was a compilation. Which one was it? 100% hits 94 ah, or 93. So
1: I think the 90s were the peak yeah. of um, especially Australian pop. Australian Um, pop.
0: And also it was still a very time – it was a time of much genre confusion. So they weren't yet kind of – so on that compilation you could have East 17, It's All Right, but also The Pretenders, I'll Stand By You, which as a a five-year-old or whatever I was, loved it.
1: it Yeah. There was So Fresh. There was Smash Hits. There was um, All The Others. (laughs) Yeah. they classics, but then and, but then you can move into there's the comp, those compilations, and then I think you can include like movie soundtracks oh, into yeah, these compilations. Yeah. Nineties was
0: as peak one. movie soundtrack.
1: Romeo and Juliet, Reality Bites, uh, Train Spotting. Oh, the Train Spotting one. Um, Cruel Intentions. Oh yes, what a classic. Yep, these are all great compilation albums. Then you move on to there's the the charity. The ones where oh. people release songs, uh, make an album to raise money for charity, uh, and there have been some um, terrific ones out there. Let's be honest. Um, I the ones that spring to mind: the Spirit of Christmas, which is the Meyer <laughs> album. It started in nineteen
0: ninety three. I don't know. I don't think I ever encountered the Spirit of Christmas. Didn't you? No.
1: Oh, what kind of.
0: Life did I lead? (laughs) No, what
1: What? was that, Scrooge? Were you living? Oh yeah, Yeah. (laughs) the um the Spirit of Christmas album. It came out every every year. Maya would sell it, and it'd just be all your classic Australian artists, like your bit of John Farnham, John Farnham, Tina Arena, yes, Marina Pryor, correct, beautiful, Chocolate Starfish, yes. They were nineteen. It started nineteen ninety three. Went to it was over twenty five years. They only stopped doing it in the last couple of years. <laughs>
0: but they had Johnny Diesel.
1: Yes, he was in one of them. Um, <laughs> it's also um, worth pointing out that they didn't do one in nineteen ninety seven. Instead, they did release um, Diana, Princess of Wales, oh, God. <laughs> tribute.
0: I'm not laughing at diners. No, parsing. but it's
1: that's you know just just timely. Really, some really there's some wow. classic songs on there. "I'll Be Missing You" by Puff Daddy. Oh um, God, yeah, there's really all beautiful songs on there. I'll be honest, looking at the um, at the at the list. Um, uh, oh, but going back to charity records, you know, the first one uh, was released in. Um, they they think this this is to be the first is George Harrison, um, released a song called Bangla Desh, um, ah yeah, and that was to raise money for um, UNICEF fund for Bangladesh refugees. They reckon that was the first charity in, record. Yeah, in July nineteen seventy one, um, and then the only other one that came out in the seventies, in nineteen seventy five, uh, was Santa never made it to Darwin. Bill and Boyd rebuilding Darwin after Cyclone Tracy. You know, I was just thinking about Cyclone Tracy this morning. Do we? Yeah, I didn't, you I didn't need to say
0: that out loud. That's all right. No, but that's I was. All
1: right. I okay, thought, well, that's there. You go. Yeah.
0: That I feel like there's not. A, it's not a. You don't see a charity compilation record.
1: It's often as all that you use much, it. like, yeah. but '80s was peak for you know raising money. Obviously, that was a year
0: of that was you yeah. know, that was a live aid. That was yes, big people come together. Sing songs and we raise money.
1: I mean, there's in the UK they've got comic relief and they still do that every year. But in terms, like especially in America and stuff, it's you know, it was definitely '80s were peak. Like, do they know it's Christmas? Band Aid, all of that.
0: Yeah, Band Aid. That's what it was Mm. called. Ah, Bob Geldof. Yeah, Bono, leading the charge.
1: Also, I didn't realize that. Um, that's what friends are for you know, the Diane Warwick, Stevie Wonder, Gladys yeah. Knight and Elton John, that was to raise money for AIDS research. I did not know that. Neither did I. There you go. Uh, however. It's
0: funny that you should talk about charity
1: compilations. Yes. Because. Oh, bring it up for a particular reason. Well, we have our very own
0: charity. Charity compilation, well, a compilation, I suppose. And I
1: dare say this is going to be one of the greatest compilation albums
0: of all time. Of all time. I like to think that we're bringing it back. We're bringing the compilation back, and this is actually a genuinely extraordinary compilation. So, if you listen to Breakfasts on a Friday, you know that every Friday morning at about roughly any time between eight thirty and nine, <laughs> depending on how we're tracking in the studio. <laughs> to be honest, uh, a band, local band, will come in and play for Breakfasts live, and I love this part of the week because it's just. Such a fun way of bringing,
1: yeah, fun way to end the week. Yeah. It's a fun. It's a really and just t- bringing a vibe in and yeah. like
0: kind of like touching base with all this music that we play and that's happening around Melbourne. Often there's like shows on that weekend. Yeah, um, and I
1: can't show you the amount of times that I've sat in a studio with someone that's been playing for Breakfasts Live and just been pinching myself, just going, I can't believe that I'm this close to someone this talented. Yes. Like it's you know. I, it's just a, it's a nice thing to think about.
0: It is a nice thing to think about, and Triple um, R has gone on. Oh, rather than like just forget about all these great co- songs and stuff that have happened, we've got uh, together all the recordings from the last couple of years, so two thousand and eighteen to nineteen, uh, as many as we could from the last eighteen months. Mm. Gone to the artists and said, "Would you mind if we got these tracks? Put them on a record." Uh, and made our own little breakfasts live compilation album, which we have, and it is now volume one is now up on Bandcamp, and um, you can stream it. It's got forty six songs on it, um, and you can either stream it or you can purchase it for a price, and all the money is going to uh, fire. It's going to bushfire relief via First Nations Fire Relief Fund and Animals Australia as well. So it's all for a good cause.
1: So you can pay whatever you want yeah. to to pay for this. So. Um, I think back in the day, like how many, there's 46, that's a double CD. It's a double CD. Maybe a triple CD, like the fold out. Oh, yeah. Like the Globe, did they have a triple? They know. definitely had a triple CD. <laughs> but uh, you'd pay, I, you know, back in the day, 40 bucks. 40 bucks triple CD. Just add, make it
0: 50. I'm not saying you have to do that. You can look, you can pay $1 if you want. We're yeah. not here to judge.
1: We're not, absolutely not. But if you've got a pineapple, donate it. Uh, it is going to really great calls. Um, obviously, the the first nations fire relief and animals Australia. Uh, if you want more information, you can go to r dot slash uh, breakfasts live. Um, but there's the, the artists on there are extraordinary. We've got um, you know Emma Russack, Amel and the Sniffers, Peak Twins, Mojo Juju. Paul Kelly, Jane Harvey
0: RVG, Cash Savage, The Native Cats, Hate Rock, Tittus. So, so good. Huntley, 3070. It's, we've had so many good artists on mm. here. Oh my God, I can't kind of read them all out. Marty Frawley, June Jones. Uh, it's huge. It's, yeah, like we said, 46. And it's a nice
1: little capsule as well, isn't it? A memory, you know. Of
0: a time in Melbourne. Yeah. What is Kind of, you look at it and you go, shit, we've got an extraordinary music scene and this captures this last couple of years and what's been happening here because it's such a variety yeah. of artists yeah. uh nearly yeah it was, you know all the artists are, who are involved have, are really keen to be involved as well like they've also a big thanks to them because they've mm. all said cool no worries use that track and also like they make such an effort to get in here as well they'll drag all their oh. <laughs> crap in every week i almost feel bad all the... yeah
1: they've all done gigs the night before they've yeah. got to do gigs the next day when they show up it's so good
0: melbourne's <sighs> own triple r